What's up, everybody? It's episode 11 of the Bucks Leading Radio. It's your boy, Jacobs. We are here. It's Sunday after a great week for Bucks fans. Uh, big things happening. Eric Bledsoe traded to the Bucks for Greg Monroe and some picks uh, on a two-game win streak against the Spurs and Lakers. Uh, we lost a bad game to the Cavs, I would say, but we can learn from it and move on as we have. So, Eric and I sit down, we kind of recap the games, we talk about our opinions on the outcome of the Bledsoe trade and how he's been playing with them and how we can help the team going forward. Uh, we discuss some holes that the Bucks have that uh, we imagine will be filled soon. And that's kind of it. We preview the game the week ahead and go through those games. Overall, great episode, great conversation. So, let's get into it. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Jacobs. We're here with episode 11 of the Bucks Leading Radio, coming off a Bucks win. Uh, it's a great Sunday, great weekend for Bucks fans. I'm here, as always, with Eric Peterson on the phone. Eric, how are we doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. The Packers got a big W today, so that's always uh, refreshing. Snapped a three-game losing streak. Uh, but yeah, Bucks is a huge weekend for it was, and Brett Huntley actually played well today. Um, not too bad, anyway. But, uh, that's a side note, probably for a different podcast. So, staying on the Bucks. Start up the Brett Huntley podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where the market is. Um, so, big news this week dropped. Obviously, um, everybody in Bucks Nation knows, but Eric Bledsoe got traded to the Bucks for Greg Monroe. Uh, a lottery protected first round and a second round draft pick. Um, so we'll start here, uh, and then we'll kind of go through recap the games from the previous week, and then we will uh, preview the upcoming games this coming week. So, without further ado, Eric Bledsoe to the Bucks. I loved it. I was so happy with what Hor- um, John Horst did. What did you? We'll start with you, Eric. What did you think? What were your thoughts going into the trade, and what are your thoughts now that you've seen him play two games? Well, after talking about it um, on the previous couple of shows that we had, uh, I was kind of saying that with the Sun GM not having any leverage, I was kind of saying, yeah, you kind of just kind of got to take what you can get at this point. And I was actually surprised that Horse was able to pull off uh, the trade without giving up, you know, key pieces in Brogdon or Snell or Middleton or something like that. It was just, it, it was an expiring contract. I, I will miss Greg Monroe for sure. Uh, he was one of my uh, one of my favorites, I would say. Um, but, I mean, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do to get, uh, maybe a missing piece of yours that, uh, you otherwise didn't have and were struggling because, um, prior to the trade and the trade went through on, I believe it was Monday and then they, or maybe it was Tuesday morning, I think. Um, something like that. But, yeah, one of the two days either way. And then they, they go play the Cavs who are struggling and they still allow 124 points against a bad Cleveland team. Right now, it's a weird thing, bad Cleveland team. 
Um, but they're playing horrible, and they lost to the worst team in probably all of basketball in Atlanta. So when you get to that point, I think Horst was looking at it and was like, all right, uh, we kind of got to figure this out uh, because otherwise we're losing to bad teams. We're struggling. You know, you know, it could just go down from there, and I think that was a great move. Uh, it was timed pretty perfectly, I would say. Um, and now it's a matter of thinking if he can uh, figure out maybe a potential other move, which could be going after um, kind of a bigger center uh, in place that could kind of help out John Henson. Because I don't know if you know this, uh, these past couple games, but John Henson was gassed. He was still playing pretty well, I'd say, um, but but he was gassed. He was tired. And Son, um, Son kind of had that brief uh, head collision in one of the games, I think it was Friday. So you guys, when they had so much depth in the center position, now they kind of don't. So I think going forward, I'm not happy with the trade, but they, I think there's another move that needs to happen uh, in order for the Bucks to keep going. Like, like we're 2-0 and in the Eric Bledsoe era, so that's definitely a positive. Um, definitely. He brings, he brings so much more um, kind of momentum building and just, to the offense, and that's something that they didn't have. I touched on this, and I remember um, one of the earlier episodes where last season, we remember Giannis and Jabari, as soon as they got the rebound, they're going as fast as they can to the other side to get fast break points. And when you're able to have fast break points in this league, that's what can potentially push you over the top in those um, one to two possession uh, point differential games where you win by three to six points, and that's where it, that's where it is. And now with, when Jabari was hurt, they kind of, Giannis got the rebound, but he had nobody to run with him. And and now that Bledsoe is here, now Giannis has somebody to run with. Giannis is someone that can create. I know Bledsoe's not the greatest shooter right now, um, but but he offers something that we otherwise didn't have at the moment with Jabari out, which was that second slasher that you and I have discussed in prior episodes. So it, it was just, it was good to see the, the uh, chemistry kind of build uh, from the get-go, because he played really well Friday. He didn't have the greatest game Saturday. They still pulled out a win. Um, but I think everybody as a whole, you probably noticed, um, the, the pace, everyone, even with Bledsoe was out, the pace was so much quicker. It was so much um, more used to what we're seeing from last season, at least for the first portion, where that's what uh, young guys are really good at, where they can just run teams down and kind of beat you um as far as pace goes. So I think that it was great. I just uh, I hope that uh, they can continue to gel as this goes on because Bledsoe's been out of basketball for the past couple of weeks. So it, it was really refreshing to see him kind of pick up where he left off, and he seems very, very happy to be here. So Definitely. And I don't want to repeat everything he said, but I want to touch a couple points there. Um, I really did like that Horst kind of saw there was a hole in our team and needed to fill it. Um, and I really respect him for making such a good trade because we basically stole Bledsoe out of Phoenix. Um, and again, like you said, we will miss Moose. Um, Greg Monroe did uh, really take a chance on our team back in 2015. So you know, he did a lot for us, kind of putting us on the map, showing us that a small or showing the world that a small market team can get big, big free agents. Um, right. So I liked that a lot. Otherwise, I really enjoyed seeing him play. I think that what really um, his play with Giannis has reminded me of was Dwayne Wade and LeBron on the Heat back in the day. Just all the oops that they used to throw to each other. Um, especially the one alley-oop at, in San Antonio, which I imagine everybody else remembers. Oh, and yeah, has seen highlights up. It was awesome because that was like um, just everything coming together and 
you really feeling like, okay, there was new life in this team. They really wanted to snap that four-game losing streak. Let's put it all behind us. Let's move forward. And that's kind of what I felt like I saw during that game. Uh, during Lakers game, you could really tell they were tired because, like, they had, they had to try hard in that San Antonio game. They fought back when they were down to come out with a win that game and to come into the Lakers, which aren't isn't a terrible team, but they're also a very young team, so they match up very well in the speed in which you were talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I was at the game last night, and my favorite thing was that any time Lonzo Ball touched the ball, he got booed, which was hilarious, I thought, but... Really? Yeah, I didn't it, know that. yeah, it was so funny because he would bring the ball up, and then the entire stadium would just boo. Wow! So because wow, a lot of, you don't really see boos in the Bradley Center normally. When at least in the introductions, when a big player gets introduced, there's there's minimal boos and rather cheers instead of boos uh, from what I've noticed in the past. But um, yeah, going off of that, it was uh, I, I definitely saw some fatigue for sure because uh, if you think about it, scoring 94, 98 points. Um, and the way that they played won't come close to a victory. So the fact that they're able to hold both of these teams to upper 80s, barely breaking 90, um, it shows that the defense and there was just a lot of intensity that was otherwise not there. Yep. Compared to because there were so many times where I mean, Lonzo had that triple double, but it ultimately didn't really get them anywhere. Like it didn't it didn't get them close to a win because they're kind of down by basically 10 the entire way. So I, I kind of feel like 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 Lonzo might be the Westbrook uh, of the Thunder last year where he basically had uh, nothing to work with <laughs> except for a decent center and Steven Adams and this is comparing to Burke Lopez. So, yeah, I mean, it was good for Lonzo to get that triple-double, but I think that uh, I, I don't really care about stats unless you win because what what's there to show? Yeah, you played well, but you lost. So the whole point of you coming out is not to get uh, not to pad your stats, but to get a victory. And so I think now back at 500, now you can kind of uh, look at these next games coming up. Um, and, and you can really just go from there because now if you have, um, I think you're, yeah, they had that three guard lineup. I, I don't remember if that was Friday or Saturday where they had. They had a um, four guard lineup at one point. Yeah, it was Bledsoe, Brogdon. I think Delavadova was in there and, uh, as the third one. Then yeah. Jonathan Tan, I believe, was the lineup. Like that, that's. <laughs> Crazy shakeup for a lineup, and, and I think it, it worked pretty well um, because I, I don't like Delavadova having the ball in his hands when he's trying to be a distributor because it more often turns into a misploder or a turnover. He tries to he tries to thread the needle in places where uh, the probability of that pass going through is like two percent, where he has no shot at at feeding something through, and even if he gets there, it's still just a contested shot or something. So. Um, yeah, I, I just think that both games, it was it was just great seeing this person. Like, as though they struggled against the Cavs on Tuesday, um, we we kind of talk about that quick. But uh, I think now that the Bledsoe's here, it, it changes your whole, it changes the entire um, kind of not narrative, but it, it changes your whole offensive game and, and even defense too. I mean, Bledsoe's only six one, but he was still. We well, have a six seven wingspan. You got to remember. He has a six-seven wingspan, right? So, so he's, he's still long. He, he might be short, but he was—he was up there swatting. Mm-hmm. Um, he swatted a couple shots, and he, all of a sudden, you're like, "Well, was that Giannis?" And, I, and someone in the room that I was watching was like, "Was that Giannis or was that not?" I was like, "No, that, that was Bledsoe uh, up there blocking shots." Um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely 
something that I think had probably the most regular season hype uh, that I've seen in in, in years, I, I would say, uh, because the Bucks rarely have these type of star power uh, now in the lineup. And, and then just imagine Jabari comes back, you have three flashers yeah. that are just running around all over the place. Granted, the defense might not be as as strong as the offense, but but again, it, it's just something to think about because when you have those three, and then you have so many of the role players like Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Middleton, Tony Snell, it's just, you think about it and you're just like, oh my God, like this could potentially come together um, in an Eastern Conference that's really wide open at this point with Cleveland kind of struggling, and I know Boston's playing well right now. Like, like they're, they've won 12 in a row, so they're on their streak. Detroit's playing well as well. Yeah, surprisingly um, well. Yeah, but at this point, I think that there's so many cracks um, that are still in the East where eventually Boston's not going to be able to steal wins against teams that really aren't um, up to their type of caliber. Uh, and then, sure. I mean, Detroit's playing well. Andre Drummond's playing out of his mind. And, and we saw this like a week ago uh, when the Bucks played the Pistons. They, they just got destroyed on the board. So right. That's, again, like like I said earlier, where we need kind of uh, more interior help. Well, let me, yeah, let me stop you there. Yeah, go, go for it. So I wanted to touch on this because so I kind of tweeted out on our Twitter account at Bucks Radio, by the way, little slide in there. Um, I tweeted out a picture of Julia Okafor because I think that he's going to be our next center. I think that that should be who Horse should be going after. It makes, really? I think so. I think it makes financial sense if we, cause my dream scenario, cause I think they want a pick for him or something. So you trade, I would say Delhi or, cause you still, you need to keep Henson cause you still need some depth at the center position. So you trade Delhi now with Bledsoe on the team and Liggins actually playing fairly well. So he can kind of come in in those second rotations, um, off the bench as like a got in the guard spot. And you give Delhi in a second round pick for Jaleel Okafor. He, we have a $5 million trade exception, which his contract is under that. And that frees up cap space for Jabari's un, uh, restricted free agency coming up. And we can kind of move from there. But who do you think we should go after? Who do you think can fill the hole that is our rebounding and our center kind of depth, as you, we could say? Um, I haven't really, well, Outside of Tyson Chandler, who I wanted them to go for a package. Yep. Um, I haven't considered a whole lot, of, like personally, like individually, because like when you talk about Jaleel Okafor, um, he, he has talent, and the Sixers aren't using him. Um, the Sixers really haven't utilized him, I don't think, and I don't think he wants to really be there either. Um, I've seen him like the season last year, uh, where he they're playing against the Bulls and they were losing badly, and and this is the point where. Joel Embiid had been out, um, where they really had no shot at making the playoffs. So they, he, he just looked so lackadaisical where I'm concerned that it could transfer over. Now, I'm not saying it would, because I know a lot of people are saying that Bledsoe uh, might be a bad influence because he just kind of just trash-talked the Phoenix organization, and you didn't want that to carry over. Um, but ultimately, it, it, it all depends on what John Horst sees in potential candidates for centers because obviously um, like John Henson has he peaked at this point I, I think probably um, I, I think so there's yeah certain, there's certain things that he's good at um, which is his length is intangible 
incredible length, and he's able to block uh, multiple shots a game. And I think he does kind of complement Giannis in a sense where the length was good because you saw him uh, in the two games with Bledsoe where John Henson's assist numbers were actually up. He was kind of just doing what Moose did, where Moose was the rebounding um, kind of just, he didn't have the offensive presence that Moose had, but Moose is a very good distributor. Um, he's a very good passing center, and that's kind of what Henson had to take over. Now, obviously, Henson does not have the offensive presence, we already said, but it, it, it's just something that needs to be addressed because you go back to that 2015 season where they were the sixth seed in the playoffs, um, and you know they played the Bulls, and it was Dobbs out Pachulia and John Henson that wore the center. Yep. And at that point, I don't think Miles Plumley, if I remember correctly, played at all. So you didn't have anybody that could come in and score inside, and that's what they sucked at. Okay, like they, that's what they're bad at. Now, if we kind of revert back to this, I know we do have a lot more star power than we did back then. But at that time, it tends to become a problem where um, teams are exploiting it, they're camping, uh, they're, they're double teaming Giannis. Giannis is nobody to jump off to in the paint. I mean, that, that's just something to think about, and I think that. Jaleel Okafor could be a potential candidate, like you said. Um, he's very good offensively, but who knows if that's going to be the right fit. Who knows if, if Billy's going to want too high of a price for him um, because now that you've gotten rid of, I believe it was, was it next year's picks that the Bucks got rid yeah, of in next the Blitzo trade? Yep, it yeah, was. So at that point, uh, you're running out of picks that are in the near future. So, and... I don't know. It, it's just it, who else besides Okafor would you say um, the Bucks should look at? Shoot, I don't. I don't even know because I was thinking. I mean, like, yeah, there's a lot of centers, but I mean, you got to think about like cap space as well, and like who, like what type of contracts are on. That that was kind of like how he kind of became like the forefront of my mind of like a center who shows potential. My my issue would be that he is kind of a project because he still is young. I mean, I would prefer like a vet center, kind of like a Tyson Chandler, like you already mentioned. Um, somebody who's kind of been around the block and knows what his kind of role is on the team. But I don't really know. I think it'll be interesting to see how the kind of next couple months here shake out and what Horst has in his back pocket and what cards he hasn't played yet. Because I was, and, and this is a nod to Horst, I, I was very surprised and I was very satisfied with the way that he did that. And maybe it was just because of low expectations and kind of the way that the whole GM uh, situation unfolded with the owners not being able to decide what was going to happen and him kind of taking that very young per- guy, not a lot of experience, supposed to be, you know, this contract guru or whatever, cap room guru, whatever you want to say. And I think that he showed that he has some, he has some cojones and can kind of go out there and say, look, you have no leverage. We'll give you Greg Monroe. And yeah, they negotiated, I think, that second pick um, in the last sec- last couple seconds there, which I thought was fair. And that is actually also protected for like the first 10 picks of the second round. So he got us a very favorable deal there, and I'm hoping that he can kind of play that again. But now that we're kind of on this subject, because this kind of goes back to the Cleveland game, where Kevin Love, 16 rebounds and 16 free throws. So it was a really big issue, and it really kind of came to light in the in the Cleveland game, where they don't even have like a true center either, that we cannot get a rebound. And our youth really showed during that game. It showed that, you know, yeah. we, we fouled so early. On, like, that's been Giannis' issue. And Thon was fouling a lot. I didn't understand what was going on and why that kept happening. 
So I think that if we were, Julia Okafor would be good from a money perspective and I think just from a size perspective. But I would like, you know, somebody who's a vet just to kind of go in there who knows what he's doing, has experience, won't, hopefully won't make those young and inexperienced um, mistakes. So I think that a vet center would be preferable. However, I think that I don't know of any options. I guess I haven't done the research and my, you know, might be my fault, but we'll see what happens when it comes out. But that Cleveland game was rough. I mean, it was, it was tough to listen to. It was, it was hard, but I will say this. The Bucks team, even though they were giving up, they were fouling so many, so many times, they were like losing to free throws basically. And we stuck with the Cleveland Cavaliers almost to the end of the game, but turnovers were killing us. What do you think about that? I, what did you think about the game? Let's talk about the game quick here, a couple minute recap. I mean, what were your takeaways from it? I thought that we did fairly well, I don't know, in some areas of like, we just couldn't get a stop, and when we did, we would make a mistake, but that's kind of what I took away. I think it was our youth that really showed, um, which kind of, again, goes back to the um, playoff series against the Raptors, where that last game, it was the same thing, turnover after turnover after turnover. But what do you think, Eric? What did you, you see during that? I think that the worst part about that game was we're making Kevin Love, who is a great player. He's a great player. He's a, he's a multiple-time all-star. However, he's not a center, and that's the worst part, I think, where he is a good rebounding uh, four. It, like, he's like power four. He's a very good rebounding power four. However, they were making him look like he, he averages 20 rebounds a game, which was ridiculous because um, he, he, he has to play center for them now. Because Tristan Thompson's out, and they don't have anybody else that can really step in. And he stepped in and did a good job because the Bucks don't have any size. And like Kevin Love's a big guy. He's he like, is. He's, um, he's not necessarily lengthy, but the fact that he could body you and get all these 50-50 balls to go Cleveland's way, um, especially against the Milwaukee team that didn't have a true center. So, and then they went and played. Um, I can't remember who the Cavs played next, but whoever the Cavs played following the Bucks um, destroyed them inside because Kevin Love fouled out late in the game. With, I think, yeah, it was against the, uh, it was against the Rockets, actually, Thursday night. Oh, yeah, where uh, LeBron got injured. Clint Capella just destroyed Kevin Love. He had a double-double. He had four to five blocks. And, and that's where the Cavs were struggling because the Cavs can only play well when they play the Bucks because the Bucks don't have that interior interior side, so it was annoying because the Cavs have just been awful, and the Cavs have just been, they they lost to Atlanta, lost to Brooklyn, lost to New York, like all these teams that are lottery bound this year, and they lost all of them, so then they come off this, like the Bucks is a good opportunity for them to kind of um, get off their uh, losing streak that they had, and they they couldn't get it done, and this is where everyone's like anticipating Bledsoe to come, they wish Bledsoe would have played that game. Because, I mean, they did put up 119 points. There were some good things offensively. But, again, we, we talked about this. The 124 points, allowing that much per game, it is not going to get you wins ever. Like, the only team that can do that are the Houston Rockets. And, and they do that by out-shooting people. Exactly. They can't. Last year, they could not play defense, and they had to result in chucking up 43s a game and hope that half of them go in in order for them to kind of win games. So it was just, I just, it was so frustrating because when they would get stopped, um, Cleveland would get a second or a third or a fourth chance on, on rebounds, which yep. is ridiculous. So it was. It, it's, yeah, we said this so many times, but there's, it just needs to be addressed. They need to figure out 
well, like maybe try Giannis at the, like they did this regard lineup. Do this regard lineup and then have Giannis maybe. I know Toledovich has been hurt. Um, but, yeah, it's time to just tinker around with some of the guys that you haven't really played, which is like Joel Malafoy they had on the rosters with the two-way deal with the herd. Yep, uh, I was going to bring him up. On, but he didn't, I was gonna. Oh, I was sorry. I was gonna. I was actually gonna bring him up when we talked about the Spurs because um, he's playing well for the herd. The herd. Hey, shout out to them. You know, they. I think they worked. They were two and zero. I'm not sure they played Golden they're State. Three and one right now. Are they three and one? Okay. They they won last night. Okay, perfect. Yeah, they're playing well. I think that they're showing some promise. So shout out to them. Um, no, but one boy looks good um, when he played on the herd. I mean, granted, it's the G League, so it's not necessarily you know full NBA caliber. Um, but I I'm, I wanted to see him play. Um, he was also on the roster yesterday and he didn't play at all um but i think that that is an option i don't know if it's the long-term option but i think it could definitely potentially patch the hole for right now um but i haven't seen kid really give him the shot yet but there's also a lot of other moving pieces right now obviously with bledsoe coming in and kind of sending brogdon to the bench um so i guess let's move into the spurs game so eric bledsoe's first game as a buck gets the start which i was kind of surprised by but i also liked i think it showed us giving, um, showing him our confidence in him to kind of just join the team and come off running. Um, so overall, I thought, good game. They played really well. It was a very fun game to watch. Uh, it was exciting. It was because they were down and they were fought back. And that fourth quarter was great because it was really showing their resilience to kind of hold that lead and kind of keep it. Uh, I really enjoyed watching Bledsoe play yesterday and uh, during the Spurs game because he brought something that, and we've you touched on this briefly, kind of when how you would say Della Vidal would bring up the ball and you couldn't really pass, but man, Bledsoe's making behind-the-back passes to Henson and, you know, making these crazy passes that distributed very well because, like, he can slash to get to the hoop, and he knows now because, he you know, he's been around the league. He's kind of not a vet, but he's he's got some experience, and he knows to dish it out when he has to, and he can make some great plays. Uh, I really liked that we were able to take a win from a hurt San Antonio Spurs team, but I was worried going into that game because of LaMarcus Aldridge. I thought he was going to pull Kevin Love on us and have a great game, but we actually played very good defense against him, bodied him up pretty good down low, and I think that that was a show of the passion and the intensity that you touched on when that Bledsoe's bringing it's kind of like renewed life in this team of like let's get off this let's get off this four game losing streak let's get a win here and let's go home and get a win against the Lakers which they did but what did you think about this game um I liked it I, I enjoyed it obviously I already said that but what did you think I don't know if we watched the same game because Aldridge was burning uh <laughs> like like right away at least uh he did what you you feared which was Attack in the inside, and he and Thon did everything he could. Really, Thon and John Henson did everything they could, but ultimately, it's the guy that's bigger that, that's going to come out with um, the positive end result eighty uh, percent of the time uh, versus the lengthy guys that are trying to uh, just get blocks off of their length solely based on that and not based on their size and finding people up. So later on the game, I'd say they they did contain him a little bit better, but right away it was just like. Uh, relapse of the Cleveland game with Kevin Love just um, getting all these rebounds and getting all this interior um, baskets and all well, that. Well, here, rebounds. let but me I, comment back to that because I agree that he did get bodied and like he he had a good game. I mean, he had twenty points and twelve rebounds, right? But you, he he's one of those players where he's a he's a high caliber player. He's really good and he's gonna get that. 
what I think we did a really good job of is playing help defense. And because one of the issues I think that happens is when you play a team that has other players that can score, especially like Paul Gasol, who's that been around, done a lot, is we'll focus so much on, you know, let's say LaMarcus, and you'll double team him with Henson and Thon or whoever else is out there. And then we'll forget about so-and-so over in the corner, and then they'll get a dish out. So I think that, yeah, we let him get, well, I wouldn't say let him, but he got his 20 points, he got his 12 rebounds, but we got the win. So that's what I'm saying. Like, we, our defense yeah, really yeah. showed, but, I mean, you're right. That, that again, showed the whole of, like, how big, like, I mean, it's maybe not the best word, but he's got some girth to him. You know, he's a big guy, whereas Thon is really lanky, and so is Henson. So, but I agree with you. But continue with your recap of the game. And, and the thing about Aldridge is that he, he was one of the top options, if not the top option, when he was in Portland. And I think that after he went to San Antonio, kind of took a backseat to Kawhi, um, and he's been kind of, he's been trusted to have the number one option right now because Kawhi has yet to play this season. And I think he's going back to, uh, like he had talked with Popovich before this season and he talked about how he wanted to get back to that number one role. And I think that if Kawhi had played, would the end result be different? It's really tough to say because the whole Kawhi's minutes would take away certain points and things like that from the guys that filled in for him. Um, but it, the Spurs are still a very good team, no matter who they have on the floor, because uh, back when they played with Miami, I talked to Chris about this on the Hoopers log uh, yesterday, but we we talked about how kind of San Antonio is one of those teams where they they can have people missing games, like Tim Duncan can miss a game or something from years ago, and, and they're still one of the best teams in the league, uh, if not the best team, because they have a really good coach, and I think that down the stretch, they were still chipping away, and I think... Um, that the Bucks were, did a great job of kind of hanging on that lead like you talked about uh, late in the game, but it did kind of uh, give me a little bit nervous when it was 89-87, and yeah. the Spurs had the ball. Patty Mills was taking a three, which would have given them the lead. Uh, it didn't go in, but at that point, you're thinking that, oh, God, this is, uh, is going to be the fifth straight loss, um, and it's just going to be serious yellow flags at that point. Right. Where, uh, you can't close games out, but they, but they did a good job, and they and they caught a couple breaks down the stretch when the Spurs were kind of surging. Uh, the Bucks were really not able to get anything going offensively. I, I really think that both weekend games, the Spurs and the Lakers, were very similar in a way. Um, obviously not uh, the players because uh, they're two different teams, but at the same time, it was kind of the same thing where the Bucks kind of got out to their lead, and then they just kind of uh, weathered the storm of the potential comeback. They didn't go out and then just keep that going into a 20 or 30 point blowout, which is what they could have done um, if they had executed certain things properly. I know like knocking down shots, like let's go probably like 0 for 6 from 3 if I remember correctly. So it's just th- things like that where if you get half of those to go down, it goes from being an 8 to 10 point win to maybe a 20 point blowout. So yeah, I think it was either way, it was a good win. Spurs uh, are always a good team. Like that's the first time they've had back to back wins in San Antonio um, in probably a decade or more. Um, they had a stat about that where it was just like the prior to last season, they had not won in San Antonio in either the early 2000s or late 1990s, which is, is which is insane. So it, it, it's a tough way to get on the road, especially you're on a four-day losing streak and you're playing a really good Spurs team, even though they're out with Kawhi. Uh, Kawhi's out, Tony Parker was out, but again, still plenty of guys out there that can step in. Um, For so sure. I, I, was, I was very impressed overall. I think, yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, we kind of touched on the Lakers, and we're already like a half hour into this 
Um, so let's move into this coming week. Let's talk. We got Memphis tomorrow, Detroit on Wednesday. So let's start. I mean, what do we look? What do we? What do we want as a Bucks team? Like, obviously, we want to win every game. But what are we going to look for? I know I'm going to be looking to see how they can help do anything with the rebounding, kind of like we touched on. It's going to be a tough couple game stretch for I think Memphis and Detroit because they have, you know, big guys in Mark in Marcus and in Andre Drummond. Uh, so what do you think looking ahead of those games? Uh, what do you what are you hoping to see from that? Um, well, I think well I've told, I've talked to you about or I hate when the Bucks play the Pistons and the Jazz because it's so slow. It's so just and they need like they need to stop playing to their pace because I think what the Bucks are good at is playing fast. Um, and it's beating teams off the dribble. It's beating teams in transition. Um, so I think that for Monday, at least against Memphis, uh, it's a, another home game for them. So they need to kind of show out um, in another home game, which I think should be well attended, even though it's a Monday. Because Eric Bledsoe, a lot of people, had, a lot of people saw him Saturday. were probably impressed with most things. And they might come back Monday and then bring a lot of energy. That I know you went to and said it was it was uh, pretty loud there. It was. Um, it was amazing. But going like matchups, you talk about Mark Gasol, like he's one of the best centers, I think, uh, in the game. Probably top ten, top ten center. He can shoot the three ball. He can um, body you inside. He's just a good overall player. And guys like Mike Connolly were very underrated at the point guard position. Um, Memphis, surprisingly, is playing a lot better than they were expected to after they lost like all their veteran guys like Vince Carter, Jack Randolph, Tony Allen. Just a lot of guys where they didn't replace much. And they're sitting here 7-5. Right in the middle of that Western Conference playoff picture, and a lot of people, like myself included, had them out of the playoffs. So it, it, Memphis is playing very good basketball right now. They they were, I believe, the last team unbeaten in the league. I mean, they're seven and five now, which is not as good as it was, but they're still two games above five hundred. They're still playing really good basketball. So I think for the Bucks to kind of build on this two game win streak, they have to shut down the two guys, Marcus, all Mike Conley, and then from there, that's where Memphis' weakness. Memphis's weakness is our <coughs> that was a tongue twister there. But uh, anyway, <laughs> kind of going, I don't know if you have anything to add to kind of what Memphis has shown thus far. Nothing, nothing in particular, but I think that um, what you kind of mentioned is the expectations of Memphis and the league has really kind of been the story of the NBA is teams coming out who kind of were written off in the offseason, like Detroit, you know. I didn't think Detroit that they were... Too, yep. I didn't think they were going to do, be doing a whole lot this year, and now I think they're what ten and two or something like that, crazy. And ten and three, they won today. Yep. Yep, ten and three. So you know, Memphis has been playing well, like you said. I think that this is going to really kind of show how we can build off this, and I think that yeah, I'm hoping it's going to get even better because now Bloods is going to have you know a day of rest, practice, kind of get in the back into the groove here, and now we're going to be traveling, but now he's going to be getting with the team, kind of mesh a little better, hopefully even better. I should say, because they've meshed fairly well already. Um, one thing I'm interested to see is the rotations that Kidd is coming up with. Because I know that's been a talking point for a lot of people who want to want him to be fired. Um, so, like, he doesn't, he has crazy rotations. And he actually mentioned that on when he was on SportsNation, which I thought was funny. Or, excuse me, pardon my take. Um, and he was like, yeah, you know how my rotations are. They're always, you never know what's coming. But I think that <laughs> I think that that's gonna be we're gonna see that I think especially for the next probably couple weeks here of like figuring out what works with our new lineup, figure out who plays well with each other, and I think that he needs to stick with that. I think we need to find what works and just kind of go with that from now on. But I'm interested to see how that shakes out. What he has 
to play and who, you know, who really shows up this week because we're going to need people to show up, whether it's Henson or Thon. I mean, Giannis shows up every game, but they're going to need to play well against these centers coming up. Um, I don't have anything else really to touch on it for either Detroit or Memphis. I mean, we got, we're at, uh, Dallas on Saturday. That should be a win. They're, they're not playing good basketball right now, but you never count Dirk Nowitzki out. But what do you have on that? Um, I, I think for both Memphis and Detroit, it's going to be very similar. Uh, it's going to be similar intensity, I think, where both of those teams are going to come out and they're going to want, I mean, Detroit's coming off of a back-to-back right now. Uh, so they're not going to have 100% energy like the Bucks would with having today off. Um, but they're still going to come out and they're still going to want to play the pace that they did when they beat the Bucks um, back on Friday, November 3rd. So, yeah, this was still nine days ago, so it's still kind of fresh. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of playing teams um, kind of in close proximity when they play like the home-and-homes. I've just never been a huge fan of that. Um, schedule-wise, but that's not something we need to talk about. Anyway, but the Dallas game is kind of like we talked about with Atlanta, where it's not a game you can write off, but it's a game that you should not even come close to losing. Because they did this last year. I don't know if you remember. It was Dallas was winless. I believe the Pelicans were winless. And the Bucks gave them their first win in both uh, in both occurrences. So it, it was just kind of maddening, and I really hope they don't do it again. Um, because... If you start losing to bad teams, how do you come out? It's just hard to come out and then beat teams that are very good. Like they go uh, play Washington after they play Dallas yep. um, next next week Monday. So again, it's just you can't come out uh, flat and you can't come out like just all rest easy. Because at that point they had Thursday and Friday off after they played Detroit this week, and then they go to Dallas. They have they have a lot of time to rest. So there shouldn't be any excuses for why they could potentially lose this game. There's just nothing. So they need to come out and they need to win this game. Saturday especially. So, but Monday and Wednesday are not going to be easy games at all. Nope. Yeah, you have just guys that are very talented and teams that are playing very good basketball. They're coached by a uh, very good coaching staff and David Fisdale in Memphis and Stan Van Gundy over in Detroit. So they, you have to figure out kind of, the, like, rotational-wise, I think you have to keep that consistent in both games. It, unless you're struggling against Memphis, because what I wanted to see when uh, I learned that Mirza was out for, he's potentially going to be out longer. He might be out all this week, but what I wanted to see this past weekend was DJ Wilson. I wanted to see him kind of step into Mirza's minutes, and Kid instead went with the three guard lineup where he shifted Giannis and Thon in the front court. And I, I again, it, it had its ups, but it had its downs. And I think that when you have an injury, not that I'm, I'm not saying injuries are good, but it's, it's a good way to see who's the next man up, who can step in and take over. And, and again, we didn't get to see DJ Wilson. We didn't get to see Sterling Brown. We didn't get to see Joel Malaboy. So it, it's just a matter of what he wants to do. Obviously, he didn't play because he didn't, he, Jason Kidd did not play those guys because he did not feel like they were either ready or he felt like something else was working better. So, again, I mean, they got two wins this weekend, but you got two good teams coming up, and you got two just two games where I think you really have to give D.J. Wilson a shot. I've said before where I don't like – I didn't like them using those picks because I feel like they didn't need them. They could go after veteran guys. But, again, he's on the roster now, so you have to give him a shot at some point because you really never know who can come out and show because 
Kyle Kuzma was like a 27th pick around there, 27th, 29th. He also was 17th, and Kyle Kuzma's already had so much more impact um, on a Laker team that otherwise has a decent amount of uh, competition with Julius Randle at that four position. Kyle Kuzma's starting. So, again, you never know who you have in your system until they get on the field or get on the court. Because, like, real real quick football reference with the Packers. Aaron Jones came into the season as the third string running back behind Ty Montgomery and Jamal Williams. He really didn't have any, like, in practice, no one really heard about about this guy. He comes into the game because of injury, and he shows out. So who's to say that you never, you can't count people out if you don't give them a shot. That's, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. But I want to see him. I would like to see Olive Boy if he's still with the team, uh, not back with the herd. Um, but, but yeah, that's pretty much all I got for that. For that. All right. Well, let's hope that we get a couple good wins out of this. I really hope we show up and keep the intensity moving into this week in these games. Um, that's all I have for this week. Uh, anything else you want to touch on real quick here at the end? Um, I just kind of wanted to hear your side of that. I want to, do you think that those two kind of deserve? Oh, uh, I mean, I think, I think I've made my position clear. I, I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but I think that Jason Kidd's end goal is to be able to play that four guard, or excuse me, like three guard, four guard rotation, because I think that he wants to go into that small ball basketball kind of thing. Um, probably because he's point guard favorited because he was a point guard. Um, but I'm, I mean, I guess I see where you're coming from, but in games where they were close games, they were, not by any means going to be a guaranteed W. So I think that it was more of a cautionary, like, I don't want to put him in and then lose this game for us. Instead of thinking about it like, I want to put him in and see if he can win it for us. So I understand. I'm not saying it needs to be down the stretch in the late fourth quarter. Like, that's not something you do. I'm saying, like, second quarter or something where oh, okay. someone's in foul trouble or if, if it, you just kind of see maybe what, that's kind of what their test out was, though. They didn't. Like, they started him, and then they um, they had him sit for a little bit. Like, he's not playing his full minutes at all. And they're just kind of kept in the waters. Um, I mean, obviously, Bledsoe and P.J. Wilson are not comparable players at this point. But uh, it, it's just something where, like, because Mirza, we know what Mirza's good at. Mirza's good at just uh, catch and shoot. That's all that Mirza's good at. So if P.J. Wilson can kind of do that same thing, and not necessarily as many threes, or... But, but you just never, you just never know, is, is all I'm kind of saying. So I did like the three-guard lineup, um, but if, if, if Giannis or Thon or John Henson get into foul trouble, um, it, it's just, I think he's going to, he's going to be forced to go after, keep on his bench at some point if these guys continue to just do what they have done a lot, which is get into foul trouble. True. You saw it with Giannis the other, the other day. You saw it with Thon. So it, it's just something that, uh, I think it probably will. I don't think that they. I don't think they can keep up what they're doing of playing forty minutes plus a game, where Giannis and Chris are playing forty plus minutes a game, and even Brogdon's like hitting those marks too. So we'll see. I, I agree that he is relying too much on his core team instead of like his bench, which you need a good bench or at least some people to come in and score and give other players a rest, or like you've already said, if they're in foul trouble. Um, but I, I agree. It w- I think it's going to happen because, like, when you get into the middle of the season, everybody's tired, like, and you're going back-to-back games, like, he's going to have to play fresh legs at some point. 
And I agree that it does show like the next man up kind of mentality that I believe kind of all actually Wisconsin sports embody, especially the Green Bay Packers themselves. Um, so we'll see what happens though. I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting to see and keep an eye on. Um, like we already said, it's always interesting to see what lineups kid comes up with in that crazy head of his, but we'll see what happens coming up. Uh, so I guess, yeah, last thing here, anything else you want to leave for the people here? Um, nothing. Just keep trying to give us feedback. Uh, you know, there's not been a whole lot of questions that we were trying <laughs> to incorporate in our episodes. We, we did one right before. I know it's a kind of late notice. Um, I was hoping maybe there was going to be one or two people on Twitter that are like, oh, yeah, here's a question I have after this weekend's game. But, yeah, we're going to try and... We need to be more proactive more. on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no, you're right. Normally I, I'm more on top of that, but it's been kind of a crazy Sunday. Um, so, uh, but, yeah, I think we're going to try and do more question stuff. But that only that only works if, if you guys ask us questions. Otherwise, it's just going to be us kind of recapping the game, previewing the game uh, next week and just kind of going off that. So we love hearing uh, insight or asking, having you guys ask our opinions about certain things because that's always something that we're uh, open to doing. Uh, so yeah, just keep going. Uh, that's just on Twitter, either at Bucks underscore radio or at Bucks lead uh, for your questions. And we're going to send out tweets. Uh, hopefully this week I'm going to be doing a couple polls um, as far as whatever happens in these first two games with Memphis and Detroit. Um, but yeah, otherwise we're, we're open to all questions that you guys have. We're always open to discussion. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of like you said, give us a follow at Box underscore radio. Uh, Eric is at Eric underscore Peterson 20. I'm at Jakubitz. Um, follow at Bucks lead. Um, and we, yeah, we, like you said, we really appreciate any feedback you guys have. Uh, we really appreciate you listening and, you know, we do it for you guys. We want to make it a conversation, uh, with all of us as Bucks fans and Bucks nation. Um, we really appreciate everything. So thank you. I hope you had a great weekend and let's make this a great week. Cheers. Another great episode in the books. It was a great week, as I've already said, and we kind of discussed today. We really appreciate you listening. And just to reiterate some things, please follow us on Twitter or at least give us some questions. If you have any, give us some feedback. You know, we do really want this to be a, a true discussion podcast with the rest of the Bucks fan nation out there. I understand that we're small and still growing, so please tell your friends about us. If you do listen, please share our tweets or our podcast on any social media that you might like if you enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, please let us know why. You know, we'd love to hear feedback on that as well and improve on anything that we can. So, great week. Uh, let's hope we get and carry this momentum into the coming week with those games. And follow us on Twitter at Bucks underscore radio. Follow me on Twitter at Jakubitz. We are also on Instagram. And you can find the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. So please subscribe. Please give it a like. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.